This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and today's episode, I want to talk about positive deviance or positive deviant. But first, I'd like to say thanks to our sponsor, Accomplish More by Starting Now. That's the motto of Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care exclusively endorsed vendor. Repair Shop of Tomorrow will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percentage, measure and manage labor, and how you can create net profit. Interested in Repair Shop of Tomorrow? Call 440-545-1230 for a free 20-minute no-obligation consultation or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. So the reason I want to talk about positive deviance is, I think uh, a couple episodes ago, I brought up something where I said that uh, learning from your mistakes is fine. You should. But it's way, way better to learn from somebody else's mistakes. You know, I guess in general, in almost any conversation or any thought, even if of of my own, uh, I like to take equations and flip them. Uh, move numbers around. I mean, it still has to be a legit equation. And I don't even mean it like literally, just thought process. And when you flip stuff around in an equation, it should work the opposite way. It turns out, depending on what we're talking about, people can struggle with that. But the nature of learning from your mistakes, but better to learn from somebody else's mistakes, brings about something that could be referred to, I think, and accurately so, as positive deviance. If you were to go and start looking into this, one really big example, or a common example maybe in academia, would be uh, Vietnam. In the, probably stemming honestly after the war, after Vietnam War, Vietnam conflict, they were suffering from child malnutrition. So the, the children of Vietnam were suffering greatly. Uh, the families are suffering greatly with child uh, malnutrition. And in the late 80s, early 90s, they really begged for help. And, you know, we would send over supplementations and stuff like that, and they would get better. But when they stopped taking the supplementations, it went you know, back to malnutrition. Nobody could come up with a long-term solution. And in this case... And in many, many cases, I think people look for solutions that come from the top down from some, I don't know. I don't, I struggle. I suppose it is accurate to say ruling class, but somebody further up the hierarchy is going to send down the solution. I think a lot of people do that. A lot of people wait for that solution to get handed down to them, be it a ruling class, be it uh, just in our world, uh, a coach or a trainer, an instructor, the sage on the stage, they're going to give us these answers. And there's nothing wrong with that and specifically that situation. But I think when you start um, not just learning from other people's mistakes and learning from your mistakes, you got to remember to kind of keep in mind Let's also try to learn from other people's successes. And the Vietnam example is that when researchers, experts, 
uh, got over there and were trying to solve this puzzle, a fairly complex problem that they kind of noticed that amongst even the poorest of villages, some children were not malnourished. Some families did not have children that were malnourished. Not a lot of them, very, very few, but some of them were. And they were no, when I say no better off, I'm not talking about the nutrition aspect. I'm talking about they didn't have better living conditions. They didn't have higher incomes. They lived in the same situation everyone else did, but their kids were not malnourished. It leads to the solution, honestly. They're positive deviants. They're not part of the norm or something they are doing is not part of the norm, not part of the social norm, if you will, or um, choices that the others are making. They're doing something different and having a net positive effect. Turns out that in Vietnam, it was very, very, very well accepted, at least amongst uh, villagers, if you will, that shrimp, while plentiful, was bad, if not deadly, to children. You do not feed them shrimp. Don't do it. Bad. Well, okay, now I probably let the cat out of the bag. Now you know what the families uh, that were not suffering from uh, children with mal- that were malnourished, they were feeding their kids shrimp. And that turns out to be the solution. So now we, you know, we have... S- some social tribalism type things to work through where they have to elevate the voices of the deviants, if you will, so that they can kind of win over and overturn the social norm. Probably a little bit of different situation than I'm talking about, or at least going a little bit on a tangent. But I think you get the general idea is why not look to those that are succeeding to figure out what to do to have better success. And in that there has to be some caveats or at least some warnings. Today, our world allows us windows into other people's business. And I don't mean just their companies, but their personal business, their personal lives, like never before. Your computer screen, your phone screen, your television, you have a means of looking at people from all over the world and see what they're doing. And not that stuff cannot be learned. I think a lot can be learned. But I don't know that you just jump to hang your hat on it. I think it's too easy to try to employ solutions that others are using in wildly different circumstances in your circumstance and not getting the same results. And there's a, there's some danger to that. I think we got to take that into account. And so the, the urging is, is to to take this idea, to take this philosophy and look more local if you're struggling and not just as a shop, not just shop manager or shop owner, but even as a technician, or if you're struggling, maybe not just struggling, maybe just not achieving the level you would like, maybe take some time and start observing those that are succeeding in the same circumstances in the same environment. You may have to uh, bribe people. You may have to uh, befriend them. You may have to earn their trust to tell you what they're doing because you may find out that um, 
you know, I can't think of anything really offhand. One example might be years ago, diagnostics was really not something that got charged. You just didn't do it. And if you were to tell a friend who is a shop owner or a manager that you've started charging for diagnostics, they probably would give you a rough time about it. Literally. Uh, they would frown upon that. Hey, man, you're you're really gouging your customers. Or maybe they wouldn't tell you. They would just tell the people, the clientele, the motoring public that uh, when they came to their shop that, oh, yeah, you guys gouge people by charging them diagnostics. Now it's generally accepted that we have to. We should have been from the get-go. Why would we just give away a service like that, give away time and skill and knowledge and all that? We, we all know better, but you start winding the clock back and that's a different social norm, at least within our community of auto repair. But if you were struggling, not, you know, not hitting the profit levels you would really like to, to be able to do what you wanted to do, whether it was compensation packages or shop improvement, equipment purchases, current equipment, maintenance, subscriptions, stuff like that. And, you know, shop C down the road seems to be doing really well. You know, a few lunches, a few dinners, a few uh, outings, and you find out one of their, one of their secrets, quote unquote secrets is they charge for diagnostics. It seems reasonable then that if same situation, same population, same geography that now you start charging for diagnostics, you would realize an improvement. You're following the positive deviant. And the same goes for in the shop, you're a technician. And, you know, we bring up flat rate a lot, like or I bring it up a lot, like I'm bashing it. And sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. It is what it is. There's plenty, plenty, plenty of examples of very, very successful shops, very, very successful technicians working flat rate. But if you're in that sh one of those shops and you're not doing so hot, you're struggling. Paychecks are not that great. Certainly not what they were kind of promised or suggested, maybe not promised, but suggested, you know, here's your opportunity. This is what you could do. This is what we feel like you could do in this system and you're not doing it. But one of the other techs, or a couple of the other techs are killing it, killing it. It makes sense to try to learn from them by, you know, observation, by simply asking, you know, they may be, they may be forthcoming with that information to you. What they do, how are they achieving that? Maybe not even go into them directly, maybe observe them a little bit, maybe take management aside, and, you know, realize my numbers aren't where they could be. I'm really trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong or what are they doing different from me that I'm not hitting the numbers that I maybe could. And I'm not saying it's always your fault. A lot of times struggling isn't just the individual's fault. A lot of times it is the system's broken. And I don't, I'm not trying to get point the fingers at any one part of a system. For any system to work, all the components got to work. They got to be in working order. You know, it's only as strong as its weakest link.
Napa Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category. Ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality, price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit. Napa Auto Care is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit. Napa Auto Care has the largest network of independent professional shops in North America, with over 17,000 locations. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing with the already successful Know How for All campaign, which promotes auto care center-specific offerings. You get support to promote your local repair facility with targeted media and local markets and improving channels. Utilize a full calendar year of promotions with Napa Auto Care Sales Driver promotions that are 100% fully funded by Napa. This includes free email marketing, digital and print point-of-sale materials. Connect to their national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the already nationally recognized Napa brand. Partner with Napa SmartSign to educate customers with engaging videos that tell the why behind a needed repair or service. You can access and edit digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Offer a credit solution to customers with Napa EasyPay consumer financing. Stay top of mind with your business's name embossed on the credit card. Have an online presence when consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. If you are interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the Napa Know How for All national marketing campaign, contact your salesperson or servicing Napa Auto Care Parts Store. Back to honesty, you know, are you a weak link? And not weak link like, no, you got to cut yourself out of the system. What can you do to strengthen it? And maybe is just learning a few tricks or learning a, a different idea, a different attitude might change everything. It might change everything. Uh, an example in our shop, we don't pay flat rate. Uh, we have profit sharing. But we had a tech, have, he's still with us. He wasn't making as much as he would like. And a couple lunches, we were looking at his numbers and it's kind of like, you're kind of at where you're at because that's where you're at. This is what you're doing. What can we do to help you? I'm somebody that really wants to look at the system. Is the system broken? And am I holding you back? Is the shop systems unwittingly chaining you down, weighting you down, slowing you down? And honestly... Uh, we came to the conclusion, and more so him than I, uh, it was an attitude thing. And really, the attitude was bring a car in and he knew it needed something replaced, whatever it may be, an AC compressor needed to be replaced. And he knew the time was, you know, four and a half hours. And the attitude was like, I don't, four and a half hours, this is going to be well over half my day. I probably can't do it in four and a half hours. And by and large, that's what would happen is it would take more than half the day, quite a bit more. He did good work. Like, let's let's be really honest. He did good work. It took longer than we were billing the customers. And we're not a shop that's really pushing people to hit 100% productivities. It's nice when they do, but it's not like that's, you know, 
that's the expectation. And we'll probably catch a lot of flack for that. Uh, but I feel like that's a repercussion of all makes all models. It's really rough. Minnesota, Rust Belt, all makes all models, 100% productivity just seems, you know, a tad unreasonable. Maybe I'm full of it. I know there's plenty of shops out there that do well, well over 100% productivity. Uh, maybe because the techs are that much faster or uh, maybe they're charging more than we are. And I don't mean like more dollars, but time. Maybe that's something we've got to look at changing. I don't know. But kind of where we're at seems to be working. And his attitude after those lunches was now almost like a challenge. Like, oh, four and a half hours. Let me see if I can do it in four. Let me see if I can do it in three. What do I need to do here? He started looking at these things, looking at the problems, if you will, the procedure, if you will, and going, do I need to do all that? And I'm not talking like hacky stuff. We're not talking about bending stuff out of the way or cutting stuff or I guess flat rate horror stories. It's really just, let me look at this for a second. Let me spend a few minutes at the beginning of this to see if I can spend or save really, if I can save lots of minutes or even hours throughout the duration. And I kid you not, it was like a switch. It wasn't gradual. It was almost like a switch. He started getting a lot of this stuff in 75% of the time, 80% of the time allotted, sometimes half the time, but really just consistently less than we were billing the customer. And again, just to be transparent, we mark up labor. Like the labor times, they get marked up, uh, especially on any vehicles that have been on the road a while. Rust and corrosion is a real, it's a real issue. It's a real hurdle. We mark it up. But he's beaten the time regularly now. And it was almost 100% attitude. And so now I had another tech who's still with us that kind of similar not hitting the numbers. And again, we don't put stuff on boards for people to compare. We don't, you know, include anything in their paychecks where they can see the, their productivity numbers and stuff like that. We really weren't concerned with it. Uh, but he kind of found out what the numbers were. And I think just wanted to feel like he was uh, doing his part. I don't even think it was a competition thing. I don't think he was trying to match uh, the other tech. I don't think, uh, he was trying to beat him by any means. I think he just wanted to feel like he was one of the main horses, if you will. And I told him, first of all, go talk to him. And they went to lunch together. Again, almost like a switch. Uh, his numbers increase drastically. I don't think there's anything magic about it. It was really just the attitude of attacking the problem, attacking the job, the service the sequence of events, however you want to describe it. I think there's lesson after lesson after lesson out there within our short range of our environments or you know where we're stationed at to learn how to succeed. That's not to say it isn't worth looking at what other people are doing all over the country, all over the world. I mean, absolutely. There's universal things that regardless of where you're at will net positive results that I, I don't think that's really debatable, but I think that it's very, very wise that in a, 
area of, you know, a concentration of entities. And I say that because it could be businesses, it could be technicians that if you're not where you feel like you should be, focus should be spent on finding those positive deviants. Who's succeeding where others are failing? What can we do? What are they doing to succeed? And what could we do to learn from that? While I'm kind of talking about, kind of talking about these positive deviants, I think we also have to kind of throw caution in as well. Because I think sometimes you could be lured into doing something simply because it looks like a success, which I, I think are something nobody wants to hear. Like, oh, here's some answers. Oh, but there's a lot of caveats. There's, there's nuance to this. Well, I think that's reality. That an example that comes to mind is if you have a shop that looks like they're succeeding and maybe they really are, but they're doing something that really is going to be a short-term gain or maybe worse, maybe even worse, works to devalue everyone else. Not even just everyone locally, like the entire profession. So we already talked about charging for diagnostics. Now we got the shop that's giving it away and the lots are busy and they're, they're talking about how they're killing it. And I've just said, oh, follow the positive deviant. However, I think, you know, we got to use our heads here. We have to think about things. We have to consider long-term goals and consequences that, sure, they're attracting a certain clientele. Maybe it's a lot because they don't charge for the service. Maybe they're making it up somewhere else. So, yeah, they're not calling it out on a line item, but they're profiting from it. They're making their money. They have to be. Or they're just not as successful as they think. Or if they are successful, it's strictly off of volume. But it's actually hurting everyone else, including themselves. I mean, honestly, they're devaluing themselves. You know, just because somebody else is doing something that looks like it is succeeding, but you can plainly see that it devalues you, devalues them, devalues shop B next door. Yeah, okay, maybe don't jump on the bandwagon. But I think if you can look and learn from other shops, other techs, other people, other professions, what they do, and they're succeeding, it's working. It defies convention, but it's working. And, you know, as you take time and think about it, think it through, there really isn't a long-term repercussion of devaluing that it's now worth working on implementing. That would be my warning. Uh, that would be my caution is, I mean, I hope everything I say has elements of nuance, elements of, you know, think about stuff. Consider the big picture. Consider, consider long term. I don't think the uh, Western world, especially the United States, is particularly good at long term thinking. Uh, I think we've been trained or I feel like we've been trained early on for instant gratification and it's something we have to fight. You know, our, our programming has been edited and written in such a way uh, that it's hard work. It's hard work to kind of uh, hold off that instant gratification to kind of shield ourselves a little bit from that and start thinking down the road. 
like in a chess game, trying to think, you know, for most of us, maybe we think four moves ahead, but you play against somebody that's really, really good and they're thinking eight moves ahead or grandmaster, they're thinking 24 moves ahead. It's hard to do. You got to teach ourselves how to do it. But if we're going to be looking at positive deviance, learning from people's successes in the same situation that we find ourselves in or very, very similar situations we find ourselves in, that we do have to kind of measure that a little bit. To the Vietnam example, there's boots on the ground that could flat out prove that shrimp were not lethal or unhealthy for children, right? So once that's kind of um, addressed, you, you can move on and, and hopefully reap the rewards. So I guess maybe I took the long way around basically saying, not only learn from your mistakes, don't just learn from others' mistakes, but also try to learn as much as you can from others' successes. But I also like bringing up that a lot of these things, a lot of these suggestions, not just mine, anyone, anyone, anywhere, they're backed up by data. They're backed up by concepts in mathematics, economics, which is basically like mathematics. I mean, <laughs> mathematics is about almost everything, at least, at least the language, um, evolutionary biology, that there are structures, there are precedences set, there are explanations out there already to explain why this stuff works and why it's worth our time to consider it. We just don't ever hear about it. We might get the quote. We might get something that's very focused in to our world. So automotive repair uh, stuff's kind of tweaked to fit our narratives, but there's usually something much larger out there that explains it outside of our narratives. And I, I guess I like bringing light to that. If I can, I don't know if I do such a great job of it, but I certainly try. It's stuff I think about a lot. So I hope everyone enjoyed this. I hope you, know, you can see where I was going with that. I hope you can look at, uh, look around and, you know, learn from people's mistakes, but keep an eye out for the successes too and keep track of that. What can I add to my arsenal to kind of improve our situation or my situation, your situation? Uh, with that, thank you so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate it. I really, really appreciate the messages that come in and the conversations. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm really, the only people I'm really mean to are, you know, Bryn. Yeah, Bryn mainly. I'm just kidding. I'm not mean to Bryn. I'm not mean to anybody. Also, you can reach me at mattfonzlepodcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to the next one. Thanks. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.